Hi, I'm Aaron Ashmore from Killjoys, and you're listening to TV Times 3. We sit glued to the TV set all night, and every night, why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright. We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of... Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 280. On this episode, we've got some cancellation and renewal news, and then we'll be uh, taking a look at the series premiere of Killjoys, the second season premiere of True Detective, and then recent episodes of Dark Matter, uh, Unreal, and The Whispers. Uh, you can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 280. I'm Jason the TV Holic from tvholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Jonathan from the Sci-Fi Movie Podcast... Troy from UnderTheDomeRadio.com, starting up later this week. Uh, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Season three, giving us the answers. We're waiting for it. <laughs> uh, but if nothing else, it's got to be a good time to just have fun talking about it <laughs> after after each episode. There's there's so much on an episode of that that's well, I don't. I was going to say worth talking about, but I, I guess fun to talk about because it's so bizarre. Yes, we have a lot of fun making fun. I mean, talking about Under the Dome. <laughs> Serious discussions of <laughs> Under the Dome. You know, I haven't watched any episode of that since season one, but it still looked better than The Leftovers. That I might actually agree with <laughs> loosely. <laughs> All right. With that, we'll jump into the news real quick. A couple of things this week. Uh, one today that was announced early today as we're recording on a mon- on Monday the 22nd. Uh, NBC has canceled Hannibal after three seasons. Uh, it will, they will play out the rest of season three on Thursday night. So if it's not going to just disappear off your, off your TV, if you're uh, watching that, but then also considering the, that it's a, a half, you know, it's like a half deal with a foreign company for a, with a, I think it's Galmont International TV uh, to do the production of it, that if they can find another partner, it could still be back. I mean, it's it seems like a a good possibility that somebody else will partner with them uh, to do it. It might be a good one for like Amazon to pick up. I mean, they're already the exclusive home of the first two seasons on Amazon Prime. But uh, you know, kind of disappointed to me. I really like that show, but I mean, the ratings nobody's watching it, so I can't can't fault NBC for saying yeah. We just, even in the summer, even only footing you know part of the bill. We're not really making any money off of this thing. It's a weird predicament that we're in, too, because we talk about how we wish the, the networks would just own their own content, and own their own properties so that they could keep running it because then they don't have to work, worry about working like with Warner Brothers or an, an offshoot. But then we almost want them to work with Warner Brothers in the offshoot because then when it is something we like, we want them to be able to partner with somebody else for it to continue on somewhere. Yeah, I mean, even you know, I mean, when you look at it, even at like they're not paying the full bill. <laughs> but yet they're still not being able to make enough with the you know the small amount of people that are watching it uh, and then they don't have necessarily you know full ownership of it uh you know in the end so they're not making a whole lot off the back end of it by ha- you know by them actually owning it that's the i mean that's the one thing about the network actually owning the content is that they might keep something lower rated on because their parent company is going to make money in the back end, you know, selling selling DVDs and syndication and all that kind of stuff. 
I think what this show suffers from, and a lot of shows that are that are really good like this that have really good writing, uh, suffer from being on broadcast television instead of a cable network. I think that maybe if a show like this was on, like an HBO or a Stars or one of the other kind of pay for subscription cable networks, it might have done a lot better, and it might still be on today. Yeah, it could be. I I don't know. It's uh. But it's definitely when you're having – I think it was like a – the last episode was like a 0. 0.5 or something like that. Oh, you know, you know, that's, oh my god. That's on, on broadcast, that's not – even in the summer, you can't – you're not really doing much much at all with that. But we'll see what happens with Hannibal. Uh, at least we'll get to see through the end of uh, of season three and I still think there's probably a good chance because, you know – the other side's looking to probably create a good deal of some sort because their ish, international distribution is is doing you know well enough that they keep wanting to make more of of the series so well we can cross our fingers and hope that it doesn't fall into the same pit that Constantine fell into <laughs> no doubt well, I'm wondering why they just can't borrow from the bank I mean really Furious Furious Seven. Jurassic World, they're going to have minions later this summer. Don't they have enough money in the bank by now that they're as big as Apple? <laughs> That's the way America does it. They could just do a few <laughs> boutique projects that no matter what, the, no matter what, we'll just keep making uh, episodes of these. Exactly. That's, uh, that's kind of how actors do it, right? They do like a couple big, you know, money making movies, and then they'll do like a couple passion projects and maybe an art house film <laughs> yeah. before they go back to a big money maker. Or yeah. run TV just like that. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, the other bit of news, I guess on the uh, the more positive side, is that Showtime has renewed Penny Dreadful for a third season. This I'm very excited for because I really got into the first season and I'm digging the second season quite a bit. Well, you got a third season to look forward to. I know. and I, I can't <laughs> wait. Even though the second season is not even over yet. Like, <laughs> You're already looking forward yes. to it. Yes. <laughs> Well, I, I always like that before a season ends, knowing that there's more coming so that, you know, when because a, a lot of these cable shows, they're all done and in the can a lot of times before they decide whether they're going to keep going with them or not. So you never know what kind of ending you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, and I I absolutely hate it when I'm in like the second season of a show and it ends and then I don't have any idea that it, if it's going to get a third season until like a month later. And then I found out it's canceled. I'm like, oh, that was the end? Yeah. <laughs> that ending sucked. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, I mean, sometimes the show shows still build towards that, you know, that sort of old school, well, built a cliffhanger to keep people, you know, thinking hooked, about it and hooked, hooked for the next to, season. For the yeah. next season. Uh, but yeah. then they don't get a next season, and then you've screwed your, <laughs> the, the person that, that actually was watching your show. Yeah. The, to every to every writer of a TV show out there, please never end your show on a cliffhanger unless you're guaranteed a next yeah. season. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of creating – these days, I'm a big fan of creating a season-long arc that gives you, you – know, that gives you a story that leaves it open to continue on, but not with, you know – half your cast, whether they're dead or not, and, you know, these types of things uh, going into. So if something happens and you don't go on, at least you have a completed story that you can kind of – because a lot of TV, you think of that being anyways, is a, 
the show gets canceled and a lot of times it's not like those people just stop living you just stop following their day-to-day activities uh, you and and a show just sort of gives you some sort of closure that leaves you in a in a place with those characters that you know you feel like you're in a you're in a good spot and but yet you can sort of picture them continuing on you know solving mysteries or having wacky adventures on a comedy or or what have you so i'm i'm i like i'm i'm more interested in that these days especially with so many of the like i mentioned so many of the things that get produced for cable by the time they air they're produced it's not like a network thing where they're only you know three or four episodes behind as they're going through the through the season and so there's no there's no firing it back up and redoing the, the final episode type of thing when production ends it's it's done with and so you end up with a lot of a lot of shows where uh, you end up with the you know some character on the kitchen floor bleeding out and will he survive and then it goes on and then you never you never find out and you never find out do you think we'll being... see anything like we saw with with Babylon 5 where J. Michael Strukinski went to the network and said I have this idea for a show here it is but I need five seasons to make it work and they said sure let's produce five seasons of it do you think that will ever happen again in, in our age I don't know the closest we get these days is somebody agreeing to produce like a season uh, ahead of time, you know, before seeing a pilot or something. I don't know. That's a big, you know, that's a big undertaking. I, I, I suppose it's possible for something like one of the, you know, the streaming networks or something like that, where the, the model of what they're doing is different, where there, it doesn't really matter what the, you know, what the ratings are, as long as people keep subscribing to their service, <laughs> you know, that, <laughs> That's that's all they really care about, and whether they can, you know, whether the stuff is getting more people to subscribe to their service, uh, they're not. It doesn't really matter what the number of people that actually end up streaming a certain thing uh, overall. So, could could that happen with some of that type of stuff? I don't know. It just it just seems so unlikely these these days. With you never know what what's gonna. It's really tough to figure out like what's gonna work and what's not. It really is. <laughs> Cuz sometimes really you is. see that sometimes you come across a show and you just go you're just like, "Wow, this is great." And then it airs and you're just like this was terrible. <laughs> or, no, but nobody nobody even tuned in to check it out. Like you mm. like we're not even the first episode had enough people. You're just like you're like, "What? But why? What? It's so good." And nobody, you know, like nobody's willing to check it out for whatever reason. Sounds like Fox produced it and then showed the episodes out of order. <laughs> or they start to use the streaming services and they're like, there was the show. I can't remember which one it was off the top of my head, but they put the first episode on Facebook. And then that was the only place you could see it. And then everybody watches it on Facebook. And I know they're trying to get the social collaboration and presence and buzz going around about it. But it's like if the pilot's out and everybody's seen it already, when the pilot finally airs, it's like, uh, why were the ratings in the toilet for that pilot? Well, because everybody saw it two weeks ago. <laughs> Well, I think I think those are you know interesting trying to get it out there, but it's hard to they still advertise it sort of as it, it premieres on such such a night and you go, but that's the that's they've already seen that episode. They're not going to tune back in. You kind of got to push them towards this the next week as when they need to tune back in again, I guess, or uh, but people don't seem to 
they're like, oh, I really like that, but where is it again? Like, where is it going to air? Like, where is it going to be? If you let your pilot out in advance of actually showing it on, on television, then I think you might have to take your pilot numbers when you do broadcast it with a with a giant grain of salt, like a well, salt yeah, size grain of salt. They definitely take into consideration what, you know, how many people have watched it so far uh, type of thing. And it, it's but I, I find it, it it seems to still be really tough to when they do that. I haven't seen much of I can't really point to anything that I could that you can go. Wow, that really created quite the buzz. And, uh, you know, it got people, you know, where the second, third episodes really you know, start to pick up because people have had all this, uh, you know, time. I'm interested to see, I mean, we're going to talk about Unreal here in a bit, but, you know, they put the first four episodes out, like, <laughs> like after the first episode aired, they, all of a sudden it was, the first four were out and available. And uh, so, you know, tonight's episode has already been out there. So be interested to see, like, what the ratings are for the next week. Do they stay roughly the same? Is it, were people that were watching it online or or on demand? Or are they just gonna if they continue on, they'll just wait till the next episode's available in that in that form? I don't see a lot of these things actually translating to actual numbers, but I suppose if anybody's watching it at any time, it's a good sign. I'm just glad you emailed me because I forgot which episode I was on because I watched all four of them about <laughs> four weeks ago. I was like, which one? Are we, which one's airing this week? Do I really care? Yeah, I'm actually oh, wait, excited I to hear, hear what you guys have to say about that because I haven't seen Unreal yet at all. We'll get to that in a second. As uh, well, that's enough about the news. We'll jump into prime time, and uh, we've got uh, five shows we're going to talk about. And first up uh, is The Whispers, uh, season one, episode three. Uh, Collision is the last one uh, that aired. I watched the first one and I was out. You two are both still watching it, so. John, why why are you still watching uh, The Whispers? You know, I don't know what it is about this show that is so interesting and at the same time super disturbing. And I'm I think it might be the kids. The fact that they use children <laughs> as their as their weapons of choice for an alien invasion makes it like super creepy. But watching everybody like connect the pieces that I can see on the outside and then show that there's like other pieces that uh, that are connected that I don't see. It's been for me really engaging to watch. Uh, the only disappointment is the that that trope of oh the seemingly crazy guy who's actually knows more than everybody else and he's saving the day is is the is the quote unquote bad guy. You know nobody has the has the whole package. But I just I kind of want to. I feel like once the the first handful of episodes get over and we realize that that Sean isn't a bad guy. <laughs> that the show is going to get like a thousand times better than where it's at right now. Cause right now I'm engaged, but I, I need it to be a bit better. I think if I'm going to watch another season of it or e- even another three episodes, <laughs> how about you, Troy? Well, I know I'm probably sadistic because I like it just because <laughs> of the, the, the opening music and the credits. I, I just want to make it my ringtone and just come up behind people and play it. It's just such, it's so good. <laughs> it's probably one of the most intriguing opening credits we've seen on TV in a while. Um, you know, for me, I think I, I'm interested in watching it strictly because Barry Sloan was in it and he, he had such a, a huge part on revenge and being a revenge fan. I, I'd follow Barry Sloan wherever he goes just to check it out. 
And the first episode was definitely interesting. The second episode, I was kind of like, eh. And then the third episode here, um, the one that we're talking about, is the one where I guess you can A, call it some answers of the initial puzzle are starting to come to light. But it's also the episode where we have therapy counseling with your kids and your lover in the same living room, which I thought that was a really interesting scene to have them all sit together and yell at each other. And then, oh, that's okay. You can still keep talking about it. Very, very different concept of marriage counseling in this show. Yeah. And as a divorced dad, that whole scene is just awkward for me. <laughs> yeah. For me and the, the, the first episode, you know, there was, yes, there was the requisite sort of creepiness because of the kids and, and stuff like that. But everything that happened by the end of the first episode was so telegraphed and it, it nothing felt like it was an actual reveal. You know, you knew whose picture was going to pop up on the computer screen. You knew all, who all these people were going to be and how they were going to be connected. And I was just like, oh, I, I can't, I can't do, and I can't, there's, if this is how the the show is going to continue to be, I was I was like, there's not there's not enough there for me. So has subsequent reveals been? I mean, John, you seem to think I think you said that it still feels like you see those things coming. I do. I it is it is it does feel very predictable, and it's that they basically have a trope engine there, and just every episode. <laughs> It's like it's like winning the slots in Vegas, but way worse. Where they're just pulling on it and seeing what trope pops out this week, and that that's that's part about why it's predictable. Also, what kind of alien name is Drill? <laughs> you know, like did they couldn't they come up with something? I don't know. That's not a tool. <laughs> quite quite literally, <laughs> the alien is a tool. Yes, the exactly. Alien, the that's alien the is point. a tool. He communicates through light. And actually, you know, actually, there there is some things that I that the show took where I didn't I didn't think it was going to go. And the first is the the woman with the kid who was he was deaf or mute since the dad left. Correct. And I thought, oh, this is it. This is going to be the kid who's like a linchpin or something like that because drill can't affect him because he can't hear him. All he sees is some lights flashing and he can't hear anything. So this kid's going to see stuff for what it is. And that turned out to be crap anyway because Drill just made him able to hear. (laughs) (laughs) And talk. And talk. And I'm like, oh, that's terrible. (laughs) And then then Drill just leaves him in a lurch. It's like, come on, Drill. I'll I'll help you out if you just bring my daddy home. Exactly. I'm like, wow, so we've established that like Drill's kind of a dick. I think we <laughs> totally established that right from right from the get-go, but any kind of any kind of thing, any kind of challenge that these writers are coming across, they're just gonna kinda Deus Ex uh, the problem away <laughs> and say, Well, Drill fixed it. He can do anything. He's got light. And I think that's a problem they're gonna have to solve by the next episode, maybe two Otherwise, it's it's going to be wearing thin. I mean, you know, I just look at the numbers for the episodes. Like, episode one had what five point six million people watch it, and then episode two they lost over a million, and episode three they lost uh, what, another three hundred thousand. If they keep losing like this, they're not going to get a <laughs> yeah. full season. They keep losing like this. Drill's going to win. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to see keep, Drill's friends before it ends. Come on. Well, they and, keep uh, going like this, and you're going to make it to the end of the season, and then 
sometime at the end of just sometime in the fall, all of a sudden you'll hear that it was canceled or something. That's it. That's it. This is this is this feels like a show that's going to end on a cliffhanger and not get picked up for a second season. <laughs> but this is a show about aliens that Amblin Television does, just like they picked up Extant for a second season when they shouldn't have, and Under the Dome for three seasons when they shouldn't have. So it's got a fighting chance just because it's aliens. Oh, Falling Skies is Amblin too, and it won five seasons. <laughs> well, at least no matter how terrible Under the Dome is. At least people are there's there's while it's definitely lost the numbers from where it started, it hasn't. It still, it still has a check from Amazon yeah. to pay for the show. Well, it also hasn't completely tanked out to like where you know it, nobody's watching it on CBS or anything. Uh, it's it there's it still does, I don't know, reasonably well I guess, uh, ratings wise. But but yeah, when you start out. With the you know five million is a pretty solid number on a network in, in especially in the middle. It's, of the it's summer. only a million less than the dome. Yeah, you know, so and it, you know what it, it had a really good trailer. Like I was eagerly anticipating this show. Yes, and uh, that's that's part of the reason why I'm still sticking with it and holding on in hopes that there's going to be a turnaround and and it just gets like a thousand times better. Like, have you ever heard of the the trope uh, to grow their beard? I thought we shaved the beard in this episode though. <laughs> we, to- no pun we, totally, we totally did and that might be the problem <laughs> there's there's a trope about a show where it, it it pivots on a dime and just gets a whole lot better it's kind of the opposite of jumping the shark <laughs> and it comes from star trek the next generation where season one was mediocre and then in season two Riker grew his beard and suddenly the quality went through the roof <laughs> and this show true. yeah there's, there's there's lots of you know there's lots of shows where that that happens uh, unfortunately things don't get a, a a chance to do you know some things don't get a chance to to do that type of turnaround or by the time they do do some sort of turnaround it's too late nobody's you know nobody's, nobody's watching. watching anymore really and i think that this show needs to grow its beard fast if it wants a second season yeah, i think i i think you're right though it did have sort of an intriguing advertising campaign and i think that's why it it got such a, a solid, you know, opening. But I think it, the first episode also, at least another million people sort of agreed with me and went, "Yeah, no, that's not what I, it's <laughs> not what I was hoping for," you know, after after seeing those ads. Well, and here's something I, I wanted to ask you, John. Mm-hmm. On the end of this episode, collision, we we all knew the telegraph was coming. We knew the psychiatrist was going to bite it at some point in this episode. But did you anticipate the way he died coming into play, or was that a shock? No, that was a shock. Okay, good. Because I thought it, I thought he was going to get electrocuted. The lights were going to do something with the water and the bicycle, and and yeah. then when the balls in the street, you're like, oh, ball, he's going to run into a car. And then the kid shows up, and you're like, oh, that's that's brilliant. Yeah, I uh, and and as soon you know, it's funny is like it was shocking, but as soon as I see it, I'm like, oh yeah, that no, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But because it was shocking, that's the one thing that kept me like, oh, I'm going to hold over for season or for episode four, because, you know, usually three, four, five is that window of when the show is really going to know if you're going to keep it or ditch it. Yep. Seems to be where it lands. And I think after episode four, we're going to know if this is going to be a, OK, they saw this nuclear power plant issue. And if they solve it, what's the next thing or where are the rest of the aliens coming and when's the invasion coming? Because the whole thing's supposed to be about, you know, killing the killing the adults so that we can bring you know take over the planet. Where's yeah, that story? And none of this seems to drive to that. It just seems like 
more like a cause havoc situation. Yeah, I really need to see something alien too. I haven't seen anything alien yet. I've seen like footsteps that could have been from like a small elephant. Uh, <laughs> I've seen some weird stone formations in this show. I haven't actually seen an alien or any other ships yet. And I need to see some alien stuff. Yeah, because right now it's more supernatural than alien, it seems. Exactly, exactly. And actually, that's funny because you mentioned that because there's times where I was watching the show and I thought, man, this could be an episode of Supernatural. (laughs) (laughs) Some some ghost-like creature or something like that is is wreaking havoc by getting little kids to do their dirty work. Exactly. It does sound like a Supernatural (laughs) episode. And I, I say, and, and I really see – I really want it to be one of the comedy episodes too because those are always my favorite Supernatural episodes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And then the other problem with this one episode specifically is that she gives the doctor lady her card. The doctor lady gives the card to the convenience store clerk and then calls. And it's like, hello, it's like 2014 and we're like communicating over the desert in radiation suits and whatever to get information back and forth. And this lady doesn't have the w- ability to forward her phone to her cell phone. <laughs> like that just seemed like you're a field agent. Why is your phone not going to your mobile phone? You know what? I, I it's funny because I work in uh, IT and I work in for a cable company that that provides phone services as well. And I don't think it's because the technology is not there. I think it's because the user ability isn't there. Oh, user setup. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I guarantee. Like I think all of us are pretty. Uh, let's say at least a little tech savvy. I, yeah, it's, I like a, it's like a feature they don't even realize they have. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, wait a minute. You mean I can I can have my calls forwarded to my phone <laughs> like on a daily basis? <laughs> and maybe that's my issue, right? Because Claire, granted, she's taking herself out of the equation or out of the office for this episode. And she's supposed to be partnering with Jessup, but she's obviously partnering more with Wes than her actual partner. And I thought that by now, Jessup would be coming more around to the situation with Claire. And because that hasn't happened, it's almost like they're two different camps. And then you have um, Alan Ruck's character, the executive director, Alex Myers. He's kind of like in between. He's like, you know, this is your case. But uh, yeah, don't piss off my agent because remember, she's a good agent and she's just dealt with this loss. But so let's not judge anybody. Let's just do the facts, man. Just the facts. And I, I really like Alan Ruck too. Like as a as a person, I've had the chance to meet him a couple of years ago, and and he was like a super nice guy. And he just actually he seems just like his character in this show, you know, just a little a little too nice. But kudos to Abby, uh, Abby Forston. She has just been knocking it out of the park with her character. I think she is the creepiest kid out of all of them. <laughs> That's very true, and and it's all in her voice. Oh yeah, totally. She's got that little mouth, like I I, I did what you said. You're all wake mommy up, mommy. You're awake. Yeah, you won the game. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I, I'm intrigued to see where it goes, but man, it's it's definitely got to bring more alien heaviness right away. Otherwise, there's no way a season two is happening. Yeah, and I do want to see a lot more of uh, Sean played by, uh, but Milo Ventimiglia. You got Ventimiglia. it. Yeah, I can. The pronunciation of that guy's last name is B-O-B. the guy that's supposed to know everything, but yet knows nothing. Peter Peter Petrelli from Heroes. That's who he is. Okay. <laughs> uh, I like I like that guy a lot. I like his character a lot, and I want to see a, like a lot more of him. So get on it. So here's another question for you, John, because mm-hmm. I don't know if this was because we haven't seen most of his body, right? So apparently he's covered with all these tattoos. 
that are part of the puzzle piece of whatever's supposed to be going down with Drill. And we don't know yet if he's supposed to be like the savior and he just can't get there in time or if he's really helping Drill. Did his hand add a new tattoo when he touched the electric fence? Or had we seen that on his hand before? I I get the feeling that we had seen it before. Okay. It may have, I, you know, I, I didn't, I, I, I don't want to say yay or nay because I'm just, it just might be me not noticing. Because the doctor lady was like looking that direction, but she could have been like, holy crap, it's the power plant or holy crap, there's like a new tattoo forming on his hand as we speak. And I couldn't quite pick that up as I, I mean, after we watched that scene. So, yeah, I think, that, it, I think that's something that would automatically, that would be cool. That would That'd definitely need a rewatch because he went to go get the other tattoo with the, the crescent and the, the stick sticking out of it. Yeah, the smiley face, the yeah. clown nose or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that was, whatever it is. I, I looked at that and I'm like, man, you're putting that on yourself permanently. Uh, <laughs> I'm also getting a little tired of that, uh, that my tattoos mean something uh, trope. Mantra, yeah, because we're going to get that with Blind Spot from NBC later on in the fall. You guys are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I like the first episode. <laughs> it's, it's not on my – was it, it was good because it's uh, – I, I mean Although, I love the girl who stars in it, but yeah. it's not really on my list. <laughs> Although that's not a review, just just <laughs> it's not available for review. But I liked it. Uh, with that, we'll move on to the next show on the list: uh, Unreal, uh, season one, episode four, uh, Wife, uh, which is, as I mentioned, is the episode that airs tonight. Uh, but uh, it's been it's been out there. Uh, we talked about last week, sort of up through. Well, sort of through season two, but because – or episode two. But since uh, everybody had watched uh, all four episodes, it was hard to, like, try not to uh, uh, go into it. But Troy really, 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 really wanted to talk about Unreal. So, Well, see, I used to do a revenge podcast. <laughs> so I, I have this thing of two guys talking about a show that's yeah. supposed to be geared towards women. Yeah. I, I, for some reason, it's like, got to talk about this show. <laughs> yeah, the, you need to go – you need to go check out the uh, – I haven't listened to it yet, but if you're going to watch – if you ever start watching Gilmore Girls, you got to check out the Gilmore Guys podcast. Oh, that's totally that's, – that's, that's awesome. <laughs> I watched every episode of Gilmore Girls and loved it. I am going to that podcast right after this. <laughs> it's, it's two guys that watch an episode and then, and then review it. Uh, but yeah, the – so – Right, right in that wheelhouse, Troy. So you're gonna have to remind me now because <laughs> we did watch these like four weeks ago. Yeah. This is the Vineyard episode. Yeah, correct? this goes all the way. Yeah, this all the way through the through to the Vineyard, which was uh, not in the best of shape. But what do you? But overall, like, what are you thinking of uh, Unreal and so o- and what's overall, going down on the show? So overall impressions, you know, for those that were following along, that listened last week. So my overall impressions were: I watched the first episode with my wife, and my wife was like. Because we watched Devious Maids, obviously, beforehand, because you need your pseudo Desperate Housewives fix. Um, and so we watched this first episode and we're like, wow, this thing's a train wreck. <laughs> I can't stop watching it. It's really in- for me, it was entertaining because I just I couldn't I had to see where everything was going because it was just so bad. And then like episode two happens and the whole uh, the apartment and I'm going to release all your information if you don't pay me for the rent for the I was like, OK, I can get behind that. You know, she's having a rough life. And then she gets shrinked by her mom in the third episode. And I'm like, okay, Tree Appleby's character is actually pretty deep. So now I'm invested in Tree Appleby's character, which is why I wanted to watch the show to begin with, because we're huge Roswell fans from back in the day. And so now we're into this vineyard scene. And I'm trying to remember if this is the one where she 
kissed the bachelor guy, the not the bachelor the suitor. Yeah, well, he um, he sort of like kissed her on the cheek, half mouth, the like right after she was you know as she said producing him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> With some very choice language where it was like, are you producing him or is this what you want him to do to you? Yeah. I was like, whoo, a little warm in here. Yeah, because then you had, you know, then you had the ex, you know, giving her the video clip and you go, it hasn't been logged in. So, you you know, here you can have it. And then he says something to her again at the end and then she goes and looks at it. And I think that's the first time where she sort of comes to realize realization, like, "Oh crap, I kind of like this this ass." Like, right? <laughs> this guy's a total, this guy's a total mess that'll just basically whore himself out to get what he wants, uh, you know, to get out from under the shadow of his, you know, of his family. Uh, but in that she's she's just like, "Oh crap, that's this is not." This is not good. Which makes the show super interesting because it's almost like the juxtaposition of her character of the fact that she wants to be better. She had this meltdown last season, quote unquote. Not that there was an unreal last season, but the uh, everlasting, everlasting last last season. And which I love the fact that's everlasting. It's like everlast, like the gym stuff, the gym clothes. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but she she has this mental breakdown, and so now she's back, whoring herself out again to do what she does really well for her job. But then she jumps in the shower with the guy just because she needs a shower. So she's willing to, like, put herself in that vulnerable position with this jerk just to get a shower. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. What What is the show about? Well, the show <laughs> – I've been, I've been trying to listen to you guys. Like, I haven't read the synopsis of the well, show. The, sh- the show is basically the behind-the-scenes production of a Bachelor-type show. Okay. Okay. Because it's – it was crazy the way you guys were talking. It <laughs> is crazy. Trying to, I'm trying to <laughs> suss it out, and I'm like, what is going on? The thing is, is that the show is – it's about the – it's about the guy who is the suitor or the Bachelor. It's about the women that are trying to – become the one that makes it to the end you know that 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 be, that you know that gets the marriage proposal or whatever uh and then but then you have all these people behind the show and their lives and how messed up they are uh but then also the messed up things that they do to manipulate all of these people on the show to film the show they want uh that was the thing i find most <laughs> bizarre about it and they bet on it. So there's like yeah. these like three producers and they're like take bets about who's going to get the best you know villain this week or the best crier this week. And it's fantastic to see what they do to these girls. Yeah. Who can create the you know and, and they're using like psychiatric profiles that have been taken from them as they were you know interviewed to be on the show and and all this stuff. Uh, but it's so gripping and Sherry Appleby and Constance Zimmer are fantastic. Oh, I love Constance Zimmer. And, you know, she's like the – basically the executive producer, you know, like the showrunner uh, that's putting this together. And she's – you know, she'll, she's doing basically anything she can to get her people to create the the show. But it shows you uh, – you don't know how much of this is – you know, this type of stuff actually takes place on uh, reality shows or how much they've amped – they've taken real things and, and, you know, sort of turned them up to 11, so to speak. But you see – you normally think of this type of show as they have sort of an idea and they film stuff and then they go back and they create a story out of what they filmed. But this shows them manipulating the show day by day, scene by scene, 
as they're filming to get what they want. And that going into it, they already had basically like who the villain was going to be and uh, who they thought were the, you know, the final four. But yet Sherry Appleby's character, uh, who's sort of a, you know, producer on the show uh, is she's both back, like Troy said, from having, you know, just completely lost it at the end of the previous season. Uh, and, but it was, you know, like the only thing she could do and was, was basically come back and, uh, to try and get, help her get out of the, you know, some of the legal problems she has. Cause she caused, you know, quite, uh, you know, quite a few problems for a few different people. Uh, but, and, and the fact that she's, the fact that she's back with all of that is the most interesting part. Yeah, it's like, and, a- and then she's, yeah, she's back with all of that, but she, she wants to be different, but yet she's completely back into this place where she has to do the things that she didn't really like doing and caused her to spin out of control in the first place uh, to get the show. Uh, but the, she, but then she also like sabotages the show along the way where she has, where she like, tells like her the, own agenda. Yeah. Where she tells the suitor guy, well, if you really want to mess things up, uh, here's, here's the people that you should uh, have, you know, eject from the show this episode. And, Diamond basically. bracelets, right? Was it diamond bracelets they get or instead of roses? Yeah, but it was basically it was uh, the the people like a couple of two or three of like the why you know the ones that they thought were going to make it to the finals and the one that they had picked out to be the long term villain ahead of time. He ba- she basically has him uh, send all those people packing, and so to go into the filming the third episode, they have to completely reevaluate what they need to do. Uh, they have to find a new villain. They have to figure out which ones left can be the f- the final four because they still have to tr- create this show. But all their plans like go out the window. Uh, but everybody's everybody's sort of got some sort of a you know a problem. Uh, you know their their personal lives aren't necessarily the best. Uh, some of them have just like completely sold out for you know making this show that's become you know a giant hit and. But it's just fascinating to watch. And it's like once you do watch, you get sort of sucked in by especially the two leads of of Appleby and Zimmer and, you know, what their lives are like and what they're trying to do. And I don't know what a second season will be of the show, but the first season is completely fascinating to me. Well, the second season is they switch it over and do the Bachelorette version. <laughs> Uh, that yeah. sounds, it, it sounds like a really interesting show. And like last year I had uh, an opportunity to meet a uh, woman who had been – who had directed a lot of reality television. And I you know, got to sit and chat with her for a while and, and how they kind of run reality television and how creative the editing can be and, and what they do to kind of push things forward. And it'd be really interesting to to know that and then compare with what I see in this show. All true with this show. Yeah. <laughs> the stuff they use is like not even from the set. It's like they're sitting at a bar having a conversation and they got a camera rolling from their iPhone. And then they use that as part of the show. It's like the trailer for next week. Yeah. and But even stuff like they, you know, they didn't want to tell one of the one of the women that their father uh, had been taken to the hospital with a you know, and and by the time they do, he's already passed. Uh, but then they go about still trying to manipulate her to keep her on the show. 
to the point of even going after her brother, right? He's like, you, re- you should really be on the show. That's going to get me an Xbox out of this. Yeah, to even like following her to the the funeral to right. you know, try and yeah. to try and talk her into staying. And, uh, you know, because but yeah, it was just the stuff that they do. But yet they've created some interesting characters, both uh, with the, the show within the show and then the people producing the show. And and it's all but it's all just like really well done and and darkly comedic uh, because you, going into it, you think it was going to be more, you know, light and funny or 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 bizarrely funny like a like devious maids or something like that but it's definitely much darker it's definitely a darker heavier drama that's you know that's happening here well we haven't even talked about craig uh chet wilton in this episode specifically and wife you know he's having this relationship with constance now chet's the creator of the show but yet constance is the one that's actually running the whole thing right quinn and they get in this huge fight because they find out that Chet's actual wife is pregnant. And, and so Quinn's like, you're never going to leave this girl. And so they go out to this vineyard, which if you could even call it a vineyard, that this guy, the suitor, is trying to sell to some business partners as they're filming the show. And, of course, he goes out there with his wife. And then Quinn comes out with, I think, is like her ex or something. But her ex, but also the a former guy- worker of the show, right? He he. he no, he helped, right? He helped create the show. The original creator with her. Right. She and him created the show, and Chet basically stole it both. That's right. Both her and the show sort of away, and, you know, she sort of had gone along with it, and that's where you, you know, and you find out here where she's finally had enough. She's just like, uh, she pulls out some uh, some information that shows that, uh, that that's actually the case, and she... But basically, I figured that in the next episode, you're going to see that she basically uses that information to blackmail herself into a bigger piece because <laughs> she doesn't even really have a piece. She's just like the showrunner, you know, executive producer. She's not she doesn't really have any any part of anything that they're doing. Uh, and when he takes uh, another one of her ideas and and the idea of buying the spa or the, the vineyard and turning it into an everlasting day spa type thing which was her idea she's just like yeah well i'm not going to just continue to work for you i I, I want i'm going to need a piece of this and she's uh so i think it's not necessarily that she's going to do what the other guy wanted which is he's been trying to get a lawsuit going because he got screwed i don't know that she's ever really going to actually help that guy out but it looked like she's definitely going to use it to get hers but anyways it's yeah it's just uh completely bizarre of what's going on and how they, you know, they're doing the show within a show. And uh, it's once you start watching, it's hard to not continue to watch. Yeah. You sit there and you talk about the people that are like, well, why do you watch, you know, real housewives and big brother and all this other stuff. And why do you get glommed onto it? And it's like, this is like us. We're glommed onto this. Cause it's just, you can't put it down. Like all four episodes in one sitting. Couldn't turn it off. <laughs> I'm really disappointed. I got to watch week by week now going forward. <laughs> yeah, Lifetime. Come on, put out another four. <laughs> like, and I'm I'm getting hooked just hearing you guys talk about it. Well, I think it's I think it's definitely one of the uh, one of the better shows of the summer of the of the new stuff that came out. But with that, we'll move on to the next show on the list, which is my favorite new show of the summer. Uh, season season one, episode one, Bangarang of Killjoys. And uh, I'm interested to hear. 
I basically been pimping out the show for like a month and a half now. I'm interested to hear what some other people that that watch the show uh, think. We'll we'll start with the with you, John. What did what did you think of Killjoys? Well, I'll, I'll say that I hadn't even heard of Killjoys until last week, or maybe it was the week before that. So Come I had on, it's no a Canadian. I know production. it's going to be on space up there, man. <laughs> I know, I, I know, and I had I had just no idea about this show, and then somebody mentioned it, and I'm like, oh yeah, killed it. And then I saw some article about it somewhere, and I'm like, okay, I'll look at the trailer, and I'm like, wow, the trailer makes it look kind of like a like a fifth rate Firefly. <laughs> but then I watch it, and even though the opening episode is uh, a little predictable, it's fun loving. In that same kind of fun-loving way that drew me to to Firefly and Warehouse 13, and like I said, it sounded terrible on paper, but the saving grace for me and watching the show was Aaron Ashmore. He's what really drew me in there. I liked him in Smallville and Warehouse 13, and he turns out to be uh, a gem in this episode as well. And I just I really enjoyed watching it. This is one of those don't think about it too hard. And you're really going to get the most out of its shows. Well, I think they do a really good job, though, of setting up some interesting backstories for uh, some of, some of the characters, and so that it's not just tracking down the you know the thing of the week or the person of the week, you know, that they have the warrant for. Uh, there's there's bigger stories going on for a couple of the characters personally, and then also a bigger story going on of what's going on uh, with the uh, in the quad and the company. Uh, speaking of uh, things that are named like right, he just, <laughs> just way to way to be super super creative with your with your naming. <laughs> with the the quad, it, yeah, around well, four around it, four planets. Good good call. <laughs> but that the the thing that's the entity that's running everything is the company. You know, it's, it's like okay, just just point me in the right direction. Of what's going on? But I really liked. I thought the action was good. Uh, I like that that it had a humorous side, uh, but that it it's not just you know totally uh, comedic, uh, and I it just really it really worked for me from the opening scene where you know they're sort of beating on uh, Aaron Ashmore's character and and you know they take her you know aside and and he's like well that's, your first problem was you know thinking that I'm actually the one that's in charge. You know, and I thought, you know, from right there that it sort of had an interesting hook of for how the how the uh, the partnership works and who's uh, you know that she's sort of the captain of the ship and and she's the one that does all the ass kicking <laughs> a lot of the ass kicking uh, and saving of the day, but going forward uh, I'm I'm also projecting my like of it is that I've seen the next 3, so uh, I watched I watched it again last night so that I wouldn't mention anything past the first episode, but I enjoyed it again the second time. So, uh, how about you, Troy? See, I think my issue with this is that I watched Killjoys and both episodes of Dark Matter in the same evening, and I was having an issue with Killjoys having it was almost too much in that pilot with. Okay, which planet are we on? Which scenery are we at? Which area are we going to? But I think if you're just a, a casual sci-fi or space watcher, then you may be confused a little bit in this first episode. And then we got to the part where um, we saw Scotty from Brothers and Sisters. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's Scotty? Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> that's a- 
yeah, so I was just really surprised that uh, Luke McFarlane was actually starring in this and that, you know, I love the fact that Ashmore was in it from uh, the following. So, I mean, it's got great characters that I think the show could go somewhere. His brother's in the following. Yeah, yeah, right. Ashmore, Ashmore's character is in the following. Aaron Ashmore's brother is in the following. Aaron Ashmore's from Warehouse 13. Sean Ashmore is in the following. Sean Ashmore, right? Yeah, they're, they're, they're a set of twins. <laughs> is that, is it, are they really twins? Yes. Yeah, they are. No way. Yes. Yep. And it, it seems like they act yeah, exactly Sean, the same. Sean Ashmore does a lot of movies, whereas Aaron does a lot more TV. You're blowing my mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> you you can Wikipedia this stuff. It's it's real. Yeah. <laughs> and, wow. Well, it, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be the first. I've been in press rooms and stuff like that where people have asked one or the other about something that their brother has done <laughs> as something that they have done and. <laughs> It was like watching the same character from the following when he was getting beat up in that first scene. And when he was in the cage match, I was like, wow, those are like identical twins. They are. Even at that age. That's amazing. <laughs> they are. They're, they're identical I twins. I totally thought it was his brother. That's <laughs> like Ashmore. And I was like, I'm in. I was like, wait, there's another one. <laughs> Look at that. Learn something new every day on the podcast. <laughs> okay, then. Well, then his brother is on the following and they both are awesome either way. But uh, just seeing you know, both these actors on the show, I think. It, it could go far. The question I have is how is sci-fi going to balance these two shows? Because after you get through the second episode of Dark Matter, you're like, which one was the Firefly knockoff? Because they look exactly the same. One's just faster and one's more methodical on their pacing. Well, I still think Dark Matter feels like Stargate Universe. I'm going to get to Dark Matter when, <laughs> when we get to Dark Matter. Because I got a lot to say about Dark, Dark Matter. Matter and more to say about Killjoys. Because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tout up Killjoys between Killjoys and Dark Matter is my favorite between the two. It's just more, it's more of a fun watch. It is a fun watch. Yeah, I think that's the difference. It's one's a fun watch and one's more of a thinker. Yeah, I, I definitely like. That's the thing I like about Killjoys. It's the the sort of action dramedy, you know, where it's got that, you know, the one liner here or there, you know, and or or just the you know how funny the interactions with the ship are that you know. <laughs> And there's no reminds it, me of uh, Eureka, right? Talking yeah. to the house. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Yes, it does. Yeah, that's that's another thing. Like Warehouse 13 and uh, and Eureka, they were kind of all on that same kind of fun loving, fun to watch shows, and this feels right in that line. Yeah, I think this has a little bit serious, a little bit more serious bent to it than than either of those, but definitely has that more fun, which is uh, you know the thing I always say is like sci-fi doesn't have to be. Like, I like serious sci-fi, but not everything, you know, it's like, why so serious? Yeah, Everything and seems to, to be going serious. And I go, I go, where is the Eurekas and the Warehouse 13s? And then I see Killjoys and I go, ah, there we go. <laughs> it's it's yeah. not quite that. It doesn't quite have the silly, you know, there's a little bit more of a silly playfulness uh, to either of those than maybe this has. But this definitely has a, a sense of humor uh, to go with it and that. Like you said, it does make it a, a much more fun watch uh, with all the action and and stuff that's taking place. I, you know, you're exactly exactly right because I think sci-fi should be fun to watch, and it doesn't shouldn't always have to be perplexing and thinking. I mean, compared to Dark Matter, Killjoys is like a like a circus tent full of clowns. <laughs> to Dark Matter's, you know, grim and brooding kind of, you know, Dark Knightish, Batmanish kind of feel to the to the sci-fi and i think this is this is exactly the stuff that sci-fi needs is that 
you know, you got a little bit of drama, but you have a little bit of comedy and we can have fun with it and we can have reactions that feel more real than something a little darker. Well, feel more real to me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like to laugh and I use uh comedy as a as a defense mechanism even if it even if I'm not defending against anything. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that that for me, I've always been a more of the action comedy, you know, that that's the thing I like. I've, you know, that's and and a lot of the shows, you know, even like USA has gone away from, you know, with the quote-unquote blue sky shows to the more darker fare. And uh, while I've liked some of the things like suits that have gone, you know, a little bit darker, they still maintain the humor. But some of the other stuff has gone, you know, completely and I'm just like, but I really, really liked Psych. You know, where's where's the fun? Uh, I I I like to enjoy myself while watching TV. I don't want to be like bummed out. That's not that's like not what I go to my TV for. So I, I really like that ab- about Killjoys. But we'll uh, we'll move on and and continue the conversation here with the Dark Matter. Uh, we're two episodes in, uh, season one, episode two, called episode two. Uh, easy enough to remember. Troy, we'll start with you this time. What do you What do you think of uh, Dark Matter? Well, as I'm watching it, I'm watching both episodes back to back. I'm like, okay, so basically, what we have here is a show that is part Stargate Universe, part Star Trek. They even have a number one in the show, <laughs> <laughs> and, and they also have like like the uh, uh, they have a Deanna Troy knockoff that can like feel everybody else's feelings. And they also have something like a prime directive because they're trying to help these people in this mining colony. And I'm like, I, I like it from that perspective because for me, it, it's like it fills that void of what Star Trek was when it was on TV. It's that more of we should help people. But now it has this extra twist that there are people that are helping people that are criminals <laughs> when they find out who they really are. And then it ties into this whole intergalactic companies that are fighting for resources across the galaxy, which then makes it feel very much like Cardassians versus Romulans versus Klingons. And it's like, I, I could see where this could get interesting, but the whole concept of them being in stasis and waking up and not knowing who they were, I thought was part of the fun of the show. And then they like answered that very quickly. So now it's like, okay, well, if you're going to go like an episode of the week saving people, well, then I'm not interested. Although the the mystery now is who among them is the one that erased their memories because it's so easy. That's the, it's the Android. The Android did it all. The androids want to take over everything. Yeah. I, I did like the, uh, the, the Marauder when it came out of the, uh, out of the Raza, how it actually looked like the Cylon ship it had the same, like didn't have the red glowy thing, but if they added the red glowy thing, it would literally be a Cylon ship. It's like how many sci-fi shows could we pull from to put this show together? Well, when you have the, when you have the guys that created the, the graphic novel from which they're making the TV show spent many, many years making Stargate episodes <laughs> from all the way from SG one through uh, Atlantis and, and universe. That's why it feels like a lot of those same show. Uh, that's why it feels like a lot of those shows. I was just glad to see Roger cross personally, just because of continuum ending its run here, here. Well, that was also kind of an interesting uh, thing with the show is is there's a lot of uh a lot of people that are popping up in the show you're like oh they're from lost girl oh they're from continuum oh they're from you can 
you can sort of point to every other previous sci-fi based. Uh, it, it's almost like they're following the CW mantra you know, of how many guest stars can we pull from other shows yeah. to put as the leads of this one? It's like, you know, they've pulled from the uh, uh, all the a lot of them. Some of them you just remember their faces. You don't necessarily remember their names. Uh, Roger Cross is one of those that more uh, Stephen Weber-like who shows up in practically uh, everything that gets produced in Canada at some point. Um, but uh, it, it did have that where you started seeing all these people from from various other things that uh, you like. But uh, how about you, John? What did you think of uh, Dark Matter? Well, I think this is the prime example of how not every sci-fi that comes out of Canada is very good. <laughs> So I thought the first episode was all right, if not a little predictable. The amnesiacs are actually bad guys thing I saw coming from a mile away. Pretty much as soon as they wake up and they're fighting over who gets to restore life support, I'm like, ah, these are just these are bad people. Either they're criminals or they're just bad, bad people. And turns out I was entirely correct. Uh, but the second episode I thought was just dull, predictable, and at the end of the episode, I'm questioning why I still watch this show. Uh, the only reason now is uh, to watch for Will Wheaton's guest appearances. That's exactly what I was waiting for. Because <laughs> this, if this show doesn't get interesting in the next episode, I'm not going to care what's behind the big door on, on the bottom of the ship. I mean, I, forget, Lost, I forgot about the big door on the bottom of the ship. That's how uneventful it was. Yeah, Lost <laughs> Lost had that whole thing with the hatch, and all that was in there was some Australian dude. So <laughs> fool me once, shame on you. Uh, the girl who plays the android, man, she is just really, really striking out on that one. Uh-huh. And she's playing it way, way too robotic. She needs to go to the Brent Spiner School for Android Acting. Not the Asimo school for robotic walking, okay? And anybody who doesn't know what Asimo is, that's the the Honda robot that just walks and does whatever it's programmed to do. I think I think she's terrible, and they're trying to. I think they're trying to write her to be more humorous, and I think they're trying too hard. They need to they need to soften up on the robotics a little bit. Uh, the guy who plays that the tough and gritty guy who likes the big guns and doesn't care about anybody else. Man, I've I've seen that character. Yes. <laughs> I'm tired of that character. You know, I just I have I've always have a hard time believing a character like that is I have a hard time believing anybody puts up with a character like that. Yeah. None of us know who we are and yet you're a dick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah, and I have we to know agree. who you are. Yeah. yeah. Now, I have to agree that the shining light in this series is Roger Cross. Like he was in a continuum. I liked him there. He was on the strain. I liked him there. Eureka Arrow, just everything he's done. I've enjoyed his performances, and this is no exception. But the problem comes down to caring about anybody. And I just I don't care about any of the ship's crew. I don't care about any of the miners they're trying to help. You know, like they were sent there to to, to slaughter these people, and they're like, No, I can't remember that. Let's help them out. Like Man, like, why would, why would you, why do you even care? Why do you care at all? You know, and why should I care that you care? <laughs> and well, and that, yeah, I say not to cut you off, but I, I was just thinking about Anthony Lemke, who plays three. So weird to call him by numbers. <laughs> but being that I had to start, I thought at first it was Richard Dean Anderson. When he first came out, I was like, is that Richard Dean Anderson back on the show? No, that's not it. <laughs> and, you know, the, the guy who plays, Jace, who is the guy who's who's like, let's help him out. Let's give him all the guns. Let's defend this place. 
and everybody's like, uh, no, we'll give them maybe half the guns and, and you know, GTFO. <laughs> and then they end up defending base. I'm like, God, he just seems like such a wuss, too, to be a criminal. Even he knew that when he got his butt kicked at the, at the console in the first opening sequence. Right? Yeah, he, <laughs> just, he, yeah, he almost seems like you're like, is is the data wrong on this guy? Like he was actually <laughs> not uh, – and, and there's still no, you know, like what is the, you know, the younger girl? You know, why – you know, there is sort of a mystery. Like where did she come from? Like why is she on the ship? I She's the only one I actually kind of find interesting just because of her ability – uh, to see things, but she basically sees other people's like dreams and and things, but doesn't know who who they're from, and so that's that's sort of it's sort of interesting. Uh, but overall, the show just it didn't really it didn't really hook me from the you know the, from the first episode, but from the people that it's you know from and you know it's. A sci-fi show set in space so you know i'll give it a few more episodes to see what it does but it it it, it might get dropped off here pretty soon if <laughs> if something if something like really really interesting doesn't happen in like the next couple episodes because it could it could go either way right it could be totally off the wall stupid or it could be interesting like maybe five is totally playing with them and five knows everything because she's the one that did it all and she's trying to play it off like she's seeing someone else's dreams. And the question, of course, is the data in the computer even accurate? I mean, those are some of those questions that I'm like, is it really going to play out something bigger? Or is it really just face value all the way through? And if it's face value all the way through, I'm not interested. Yeah, because I kind of, I kind of, you know, sort of disappointed that it was all the way through. It was like, oh, it's too corrupted. It's too corrupted. I can't do anything. It's too corrupted. Oh, hey, look at what I found. Yeah, the like... answer to the question in the first episode. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I'm going to be hooked on this show until Will Wheaton shows up. <laughs> exactly. As soon as he gets his appearance, and then I'm probably I'm probably done. I I the way the way my TV show selection works is if if I read about it and I see the trailer and it appeals to me, I'll watch one episode to see if it hooks. If it hooks me, I'll give it three episodes. And if I'm in after three episodes, and I'm in. If I'm not, it's dropped. And I'm giving this the three episode try. Yeah, that's that's where I'm in. There's there's enough, like a little bit of things that I'm sort of interested in that I'll I'll keep going. It wasn't, uh, you know, like so predictable or something like that that I was out or or so badly acted or something like that or just the writing was super terrible that you just couldn't imagine that three episodes later it was going to that they were all of a sudden going to be that much better there's got to be something something there that hooks me to get me but usually give you know something three or four episodes if there's something in that first episode that interests me uh and then you sort of see where if it looks like it's going in a in an interesting direction or or not uh that's that might be where i i drop out uh but Sometimes you know it's, it ends up being you know episode six or seven where <laughs> something turns around, but there's got to be a base level of something interesting to get me to that turnaround point. Uh, otherwise, I'll be out much earlier. And the more TV shows that that keep appearing, 
the more I'm out faster than I used to be. <laughs> I completely understand that. My my I'm like there there were shows where I was glad it canceled even though I really liked them. But they've had a long run and I'm like, I just need to get a few shows off the docket so I can bring some other shows on. And there are certain shows where counter to the, you know, having to wait till episode five or six before they get good, episode one, I'm signing up for the full season, like the flash. Episode one, I was like, boom whole season done i will do it i will stay on board no matter how bad it gets because this episode was amazing i'm not getting that feeling with dark matter all right we'll move on to the last show on the list which is the true detective uh, season two uh, episode one uh, the western book of the dead and uh john what did you think of it's a whole new season <laughs> it's a whole new show the only guy that's back is the guy that created it and wrote every episode. <laughs> well, let me start by saying that Leonard Cohen doing the theme song is going to be a winner for me. So is the first thing I see slash hear already the show is ahead above the rest. But I will tell you that this is my first encounter with True Detective. And I gave it a shot because apparently the first season was quite good. It got a lot of really positive reviews, but I couldn't watch it because of my debilitating dislike for Matthew McConaughey. And he was the best thing about the first season. <laughs> and and that that's terrible because I, I really don't like Matthew McConaughey and, and I think Woody Harrelson's mediocre at best. But I think that's the that was what was so interesting about the first season is they're so unlike <laughs> anything you've ever seen them do before. Uh, that it's that that was I think that was the mesmerizing thing about the first season. But I find it interesting to to get somebody's take on what they think of uh, the second season, having not seen the first season, because yeah. everybody's everybody's comparing it to uh, the first season. And so it comes out that that people say that the standard seems to be that uh, it's not that the second season is bad. It's just if you compare it to the first season, it's missing uh, so much and sort of the all of the things that you liked about the first season are not here because uh, most people that liked the first season liked the two lead performances and that it and the direction which was done by the same guy for the whole uh for the whole uh eight episodes or however many episodes it was and that director's not back uh you have uh, uh Justin Lin directing the first couple episodes here so I'm interested John what did you think it just basically coming into it only knowing the hype of the first season and not actually having seen the first season. Well, I'm, I'm glad every every season has different actors into it because that made me feel safe when I'm watching it. But unlike unlike some of the other shows that we've talked about, even in this podcast, I thought this one really had great character development so much so that I'm, I get really invested in it right away. Colin Farrell's character, I can – Really, as a, as a dad, uh, I can really relate to. I mean, what what dad of a bully kid hasn't want to do that? You know, kind of take it to the mattresses thing that he does, <laughs> so to speak. I mean, yeah, he goes a little over the top, uh, but I but I really get the emotion behind it, and I think that it's his character for me is going to be the most interesting to watch progress throughout the show. Uh, I really. Uh, you know, like actually, his clothes and mustache maybe question the year that this show is set in. <laughs> mustache is ridiculous, <laughs> uh, but it turns out it's present day. And yeah, that I think that's said, sort of the throwback to, hey, we had a guy with a really interesting mustache in the first season. We need to do that again in the second season. Oh God! The, we I, and I think since they also do the flashback here in the first episode, uh, 
that's sort of the hey, look how he used to be such a clean cut cop. Now he's you know, and what what's happened? His, like, what's his, his hair's all grown out, and he's got the big, the big huge mustache, and he's just sort of let himself go. Yeah, that's what a crappy ex wife will do to you. <laughs> <laughs> but every every scene I see in this is it feels so carefully crafted that I I'm really invested in watching it. Like I'm, I'm watching it enraptured by it because I don't want to miss anything because I think that every every word that's being said and everything that's being shown is is so important to progress this story forward that I, I'm just I'm just like I said enraptured watching it I mean even even down to the music the music pushes the mood of every scene and and pushes the mood in between scenes where we see you know landscapes or just people driving and you have that dum, 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 kind of it just and I think it really this show this episode really hit the the nail on the head for a lot of things character development good story and really good music yeah see that's that's i think that's very interesting because for me i'm coming at it having seen the first season and while i'm not necessarily fully on with the you know everything that that was good about the first season is gone type of thing it did feel strange in that in the first season when you got a lot of these over you know they have well, they have different directors. I think in the second season here, it's going to change like every couple of episodes that somebody new, uh, as opposed to one person over the course of the of the series. But it does feel like they did try to keep some of the feeling of the first season. And the thing is, is when you're doing a lot of these overhead shots and things uh, of, you know, Louisiana. And you know the bayou and all all this it it's very it's much more vis- visually appealing and interesting as opposed to when they start doing all these overhead shots of the L.A. freeway system and stuff and so that's the type of thing where I wonder how I would think about it had I not I can see that they're trying to do something similar but if it's just over L.A. it's not quite as interesting as what you saw previously. Uh, for me, though, I felt like uh, you said that, you know, everything felt very important, you know, what they were saying and uh, everything that was happening. And to me, watching it, I felt like there was just so much more style over substance uh, in this first episode. For me, I don't know. I'd, I I'm almost may need to, like, go back and watch it again because I feel like I missed something somewhere that maybe I wasn't paying attention to. And maybe you're right that everything is is super important and I did miss something and that's why I feel that way but uh, I I kind of felt not nearly as drawn in I'm still going to watch I still think it's it's really well done uh and I I find the 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 idea of the an- anthology series to be very interesting especially when it's something uh in a subject matter that I'm more interested in than like uh, American horror story where I'm not a big horror fan so uh, I don't really care about following a new horror story each, you know, each season. But I do like this sort of, from sort of what we had talked about previously. I like the anthology idea is that you get an interesting story, you get a beginning, middle, and an end, and you get another season of it. But you don't have to, you know, maybe some of the same people show up in it again, maybe not, but they're playing something completely different, uh, and it's it's a whole new story. Uh, so I do like that, where you know that you're going to get a completed story watching it, 
but yeah, for me, it was it it really felt like a lot of a lot of style, and I I wasn't getting the substance that you got for whatever reason. Well, I got I got a question for you. When you said in the first season they were kind of in Louisiana Bayou and they had overhead shots of that, and of course in the freeway scenes, that's what that's what the the, the clear comparison is, right? I think so. I mean, that's what it feels like to me is that they're they're trying to recreate some of the way that the that the first season was shot into the second season. Well, how now usually like I think that it, that for me, the overhead freeway scenes evoked uh, kind of an emotion of overcrowdedness and kind of choking on the air and the heat and kind of very feels very oppressive. Did the, the, the overhead shots of Louisiana Bayou have the same kind of emotional flavor to them? Well, it's sort of that that whole area sort of added so much to the the type of crime and stuff that they were investigating, uh, you know, sort of the weirdness uh, of of the murders that were taking place that, you know, sort of the, the you know, the mysticism and the and, and sort of that sort of angle from that area sort of played into into it where it really was, um, I don't know, it, it added something to just uh, to the story. And I don't, I don't know. I, I, it felt like they were trying to recreate that from the first season and it didn't feel to me quite as interesting watching it in, in the second season, but I'm going to, I'm interested to see like where it goes in the second episode. I mean, there were definitely some interesting things set up like, uh, with, uh, see, I can't even remember characters' names, but, uh, there were there were a lot of characters. Yeah, that, that's the other thing is you have you have a lot a lot more characters and a lot more side characters uh, uh, introduced in this. But the the one uh, you know the one female sheriff, uh, you know her connection to well the Rachel McAdams yeah her character? her connection to you know her dad is is like is almost like a cult leader uh, you know and her her sister's doing basically doing internet porn. So she didn't have the you know, the greatest of upbringing. Her, she was very interesting. Colin Farrell's character, I can see where you're coming from on that character. But to me, it felt a little over the top at times, just because you're like, okay, so he's gone so far down that you know he he's basically drinking himself, snorting cocaine, and and smoking a joint pretty much any t- at at all times. He's doing one of those things. Uh, so you're supposed to see that he's really. You know he's really out there. It it almost seemed like too much. I think I can agree with that. I think if he just stuck with one vice instead of all the vices, <laughs> then it probably would have been a, a better idea for his character. Like if you just drank a lot, would probably be a best because. Then... Yeah, because that was one fantastic cup of coffee or something he must have had when he got the call in the bar. To be able to drive all the way out. To the- <laughs> I totally thought that too. Because <laughs> he had downed like that whole bottle of liquor and had been smoking a joint and you saw him snort uh, a little bit of something and basically pass out there. <laughs> and then he decides to go for a drive. <laughs> and then they call and they're like, we need you out there. Sirens going and he shows up and he looks relatively okay. <laughs> it was quite the drive, quite the sprucing up he was able to, he was able to do uh, shortly, but. I guess I, I may be closer to what seems to be the general consensus for people that watch season one and watch season two. Uh, but I also think it's almost like unfair really to compare it to 
the first season because the first season sort of came out of nowhere. Nobody had any, nobody had really seen it ahead of time. Nobody really knew like what it was. And it was just like, well, the, a couple of these guys that mainly do movies are doing this TV show. Uh, you know, it's, and then, you know, the performances were really great. And, you know, while it's the first season still definitely has its problems, the things that people most point to, which is the way it looked and the, the two lead performances and none of those things being back for a second season, you go, okay, what, how, how is this going to work? And, uh, we'll, we'll see how it, how it goes, but I definitely find it interesting to get a perspective of somebody that hadn't seen season one. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm excited to see what where it goes from here. I want to see more of of what happens to these people and where it's going and and what's going to happen by the end of the season. Like I'm I'm into it now. Like no three episode try and this episode straight up hooked me. So unless it uh, unless it goes south like bad, then I'm probably going to stick with it till the end of the season at least. But then it's such a short season that even if it goes bad halfway through, it's only you know. Three or four more episodes, four more episodes. <laughs> you know, until until it's over, and so you you at least get the you know, a closure on on a story element there. True, but HBO does make it make it tough because they they run their episodes the full hour, right? There's no commercials, <laughs> there's no nothing. So an episode investment is yeah, you are doing the, the 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 full like fifty five or fifty six minutes a lot of times or something yeah, like that. I, I can't do. Uh, there's it's basically nineteen seventies television. Yes, is what they're I, doing. <laughs> I, with broadcast television, I can knock off you know three shows in inside two hours. With, with an HBO show, there's there's no there's no doing that. <laughs> I need to pee between the episodes. And that runs at two hours. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for prime time, and we'll move on to uh, TV recommendations. And for you, Carl, I'm going to recommend Killjoys one more time so that you get six episodes straight. You were so bummed that I had only done it five. But uh, really, we'll move on to uh, get your recommendations, uh, John and Troy. How about what are you, what are you uh, recommending uh, people uh, keep an eye out for, John? Well, it it leaked earlier this month, <laughs> and I'm 99 percent sure that uh, Warner Brothers leaked it. But it's the the Supergirl TV series that's going to be coming out this fall. I watched the first episode. I'm a fan of the comic book, and this show has that comic book feeling and I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Yeah. I liked it. I, I, I thought it was, it, it had a, uh, a bit of a fun side to it as well. Uh, a little more, uh, the flash than arrow. You know, in, that's that's in, right. In its and which, production quality type of thing, which, which is what it needs as Supergirl. Sh- it should be a, a bright, colorful, Kind of, if you're into comic books, you'll know what what four color means. But if you, for those of you that don't, comic books back in the the 50s and 60s were only made with four colors, and that's where you get the the Batman's like, well, chum, I guess we're gonna go fight the bad guy now. Ha ha! Get my get my bat repellent spray and uh, that kind of idea. And that's I think for characters like Supergirl, Superman, the Flash, these bright, colorful characters, that's what they need. And I think there's a a big push in Hollywood to do darker, grim and grittier type type filming with characters that should be bright. Like, did we, did we all see Man of Steel? I liked Man of Steel, so. So, so did I. <laughs> and if you go on YouTube and you look for, what if Man of Steel was in color? Yes. 
it, it is it is mind blowing how much better and better it feels in color. And the Supergirl series feels like it's in color. It doesn't have that grim and gritty feel like the Dark Knight does. And I really like it for that. And I think the writing was kind of point on with exactly who I think she should be being, you know, raised by who she was raised by and uh, turns out played by, you know, a former Superman and a former Supergirl. Yes. (laughs) And and kind of growing up in this world, being the the cousin of Superman. Yeah, which that is the one thing that I'm like, I don't get the rights on how these things work. I'm like, isn't this a Warner Brothers show? Doesn't Warner Brothers own Superman? Can they not say Superman? They have to figure out a different way to allude to Superman without saying Superman in in the in the first show, and it really got annoying in just an hour. And so I can't imagine what's going to be like in a, if they can't ever mention her cousin without saying it's her cousin instead of actually saying who it is. Well, they're gonna they're gonna have to say the word Superman sometime because <laughs> they're gonna have to. I'll be. I mean, I don't know exactly how the rights worked. With the latest court case involving the <laughs> Superman franchise, but they're going to have to say Superman eventually. Yeah, it just it just felt. I, I maybe they were doing it just so that they, it's Supergirl. They you know putting that out there and and uh, but yeah, it was it was very uh, very noticeable to me that you're just like seriously, just just say it already. We know who you're talking about. All right, Troy, what is your recommendation? Maybe they'll wait 10 seasons because we wanted to yes. see it. <laughs> so now they're going to wait 10 seasons in order they to actually, actually say the word Superman. Well. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely yeah, done with the that's, small That's actually reference. one of the things I liked about the pilot is that I'm not waiting 10 seasons to see her in a super suit. <laughs> is it going to work, though, is the question. Is it going to work on CBS with that demographic? Yeah, I think I, it will. I think, I think it can. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, that it, less and less these things are – are 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 being important. I think people are gonna uh, find things that maybe overall that people actually sit down and watch it live. It doesn't do that great, but I think overall people are if it's good, people are going to find it and watch it. Yeah, the, the same people that watch the Flash and the Arrow are going to watch Supergirl. That's the only thing, though, is is uh, even though Flash did really well, if you do Flash numbers on CBS, that is unbelievably poor. Right. Uh, so that's that's the thing that is will will be interesting to see is you know if they do four and a half million, that, that's you know is instantly going to get canceled. Uh, so that that is the one thing though is 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 will it get enough people to uh, watch it? But I think it's it has the. I think people will be willing to give it a shot. And is the assumption is that it's going to be a, a procedural one one case a week for Supergirl? To fit the mantra of CBS, yeah, they'll be tracking down the you know the problem of the week. I'm sure uh, to it's, to, it's all going to be those to the fit criminals. in, but, it, <laughs> but yeah, but it's a bigger, but it all fits into a bigger story. I think it fits into more of the stuff that CBS has been doing with the you know, portion of interest or elementary, which Scorpion. which all give you case of the week, but inside a, a bigger ongoing stories. Scorpion a little less so, but yeah, still <laughs> still struggling to figure out what the overarching story of Scorpion was. It's all about the kids, man. It's all about the kids. Yeah, but I I think more uh, with the where you get 
you know, not just necessarily tacked on ongoing story or something like that, you know, where cases play into ongoing story at times and uh, they're dealing with ongoing story elements while dealing with the case of the week. Uh, so I think that what they set up in the first episode of Supergirl that you got some, there's definitely, you know, there, it's going to be, I mean, that's just the nature of it. Just like the flash, there's going to be the, you know, sort of the freak of the week, just like, just, just like Smallville, just like arrow. It's the, you know, the problem of the week, but also creating a, a bigger story where inside of where those, th- that stuff is taking place. So. I I think that uh, I think that one that one is is good to ch- check that one out in in the in the fall, uh, but Troy, you your pick is uh, something uh, coming out here a little bit uh, a little bit sooner. Yeah, something that may even be out by the time this podcast airs and you're listening to it. <laughs> it's called Mr. Robot. It's airing on USA Network. And even though I swore off USA Network for not giving me closure to COVID affairs this summer. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm sucked you back in. Oh, hate those guys. No, uh, I, I, this was, and it might have been because I was on the Black Mirror kick on Netflix for a little while, and this show is probably some of the most interesting television you've seen in a while. It is not your typical, what you would consider a television show. It felt like uh, maybe a a a a Sundance Sundance, Sundance film or uh, you know IFC film. The, the music, the tone, the writing, the styling, everything about this show was interesting to the point where you didn't know what was real and what was in his head. And I think that's what makes this character really, really interesting. It's played by um, uh, Remy Malik, and it's it, just fascinating. And, and then when Christian Slater pops up in the middle of the episode, didn't know he was on the show until he showed up. I was like, Christian Slater's in it. This is awesome. And then the way this whole first episode plays out, and then you go back and I thought it was a gimmick at first when I looked on my Apple TV and saw the actual episode file name. And I was like, did somebody upload this file <laughs> and forget to title it? <laughs> but it's actually written in hacker code. And then each of the first, and I'm going to say spoiler alert here, just in case this plays into something later on. So if you don't want to know, tune it down for two seconds. But all of the episode one titles end in dot in, a, in a, a video file type. So it's .mov, .mpeg, .flv. So all of season one is video file types. So now I'm interested to see if that actually plays into the overall arching story of season one of Mr. Robot. It's just fascinating television. Yeah, it definitely is an interesting uh, premiere episode, uh, but much like, well, different, completely different than Complications, but a similar thing happened to me at the end of it, where at the end I go, well, that was interesting, but what's what next? Is the, but what is the show? <laughs> like, but what a great is, movie, what, but what's next? what happens on a week to week basis? Uh, and I haven't seen past the first, past the pilot. So I don't know uh, how that works. Uh, fortunately with complications, I was able to see uh, past the pilot episode to understand actually how the show was going to work on a weekly basis. Uh, so I'm interested because, like you said, it is it is very fascinating. It's 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 really well done. Uh, it has lots of things like uh, voiceover, which is normally something that people don't like, but it's done in such an interesting way. And because of the type of character that he is, uh, it it totally makes sense that to get what he's really thinking. And is he thinking? And is he thinking it or is he tripping while he's thinking it? That's the fun part. But you would actually have to 
this would be the only way to get it because he's so closed off in his actual life, uh, you know, that he doesn't, he sees a lot of things, but he's not able to actually speak up and say them. Uh, and, and so that it actually works really well. And he does a really good job of doing it, uh, of doing, of giving the voiceover, uh, a lot of the elements that, you know, things that don't necessarily work, you know, really worked to make the first episode, you know, very interesting. Uh, but then when it ends, you're like, okay, so which was fake and what was real? What's the series going to be? I mean, there's at least enough intriguing that it makes me want to watch the next episode to see if it'll tell me uh, what it is. But I'm I'm finding it very interesting here recently, uh, the number of shows that have actually done these extended or two-hour, you know, with commercial uh, premiere episodes. <laughs> and by the end of it, I'm like, I still don't know what the series is. Where there's been so many shows where I go, man, this would have been so much more interesting if they would have done a two-hour premiere. Like, instead of trying to cram everything into, uh, you know, like 42 minutes, uh, the, if they really could have expanded out. And then recently I've seen these shows where it is expanded out, but still at the end of it, I'm like, but how? How in two hours do you not tell me what the show is going to be? Wow, right. Because <laughs> I'm still I, perplexed I, I, on I, if the f- final scene is actually the final scene. Like, did that really happen? Or yes, was he thinking it happened? That's the part is like, that's what wants to come, maybe come back for season ep- or episode two. But well, then where does it go from there? Yeah. That's the big question. Yeah, I'm kind of actually excited to see episodes two and, and three. And like, I watched that that first episode and it kind of actually felt like this should be uh, a six issue miniseries or a six yeah. episode miniseries. Where it's got this definite beginning and end, and we know how it's going to play out, uh, or know how long it's going to play out for, so we can kind of have that closure. But it's ten episodes of a of an ongoing series. Is that right? I mean, potentially. I mean, that's the that's the thing with the networks are trying to not just create you know the one time thing. They're trying to create ongoing things to keep people interested, to keep content flowing for their networks. Uh, but there is a as things continue to proliferate out there, there's more and more shows where you watch it and go, well, that'd make an interesting 90-minute movie, but what's the series? And how does it go on for 50 episodes type of thing or, or more? Uh, that... Don't worry. It's on, it's on USA. They'll cancel it before they answer any questions. <laughs> no. Or they'll make it long. run for so long that, uh, <laughs> yeah. that it just gets boring and I have to not stop watching it. <clears throat> Royal Pains. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Nimtuck. <laughs> Uh yeah, there's uh that that can happen to you. All right, that's uh that's our recommendations. Uh we'll have links in the show notes uh at tvtimes3.com slash two eighty where you can find more information about those shows and also the news stories that we talked about, as well as where you can uh, find John and Troy online and where you can listen to them uh, pontificate about either sci fi movies or right now uh under the dome, while I'm, <laughs> for the summer, <laughs> I'm sure Troy, you're, you're really looking forward to getting back on the blacklist train. <laughs> well, we'll have some more blacklist this summer, actually, with the comic book coming out from Titan Comics. So, yeah, the blacklistexposed.com for that one. All right, and uh, as I said, we'll have links uh, for those uh, in uh, in the show notes. And uh, next week, uh, Amory and Ray will both be back with me. And then we'll also be having a guest, so it'll be a first here on TV Times 3, where it'll be TV Times 4 for an episode. Should be interesting to see what it's like recording with four people. You could you could uh, call it a you could call it a quadcast. Yes, it was 
it's it definitely interesting. It, it, we're doing our uh, uh, preview of uh, San Diego Comic-Con. We'll be talking about uh, all the different uh, TV shows and stuff that uh, it's going to be there and what we're looking forward to. And uh, Ray hasn't gone in a while, and so I hadn't really planned to have her on the show, and then she was going. And so we're going to have her on, too, to talk about. And then then we'll be off the following week during Comic-Con, and then we'll come back with another episode uh, after that, uh, recapping the things we heard and saw and uh, interviews and whatever else we got to do uh, while we were there. And... Uh, it'll probably be Amory and Ray uh, back on that one too. So uh, you get the original three here coming up two episodes in a, in a row. And uh, with that, the opening and closing music is provided by IODA Promonet. The song is TV Party by the Asylum Street Spankers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. And thank you again, John and Troy, for joining me on episode 280. Anytime. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks a lot again, Jason. We sit glued to the TV set all night. Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright. We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews. Last season, the citizens of Chester's Mill were blinded by the light. A wall opened up and a butterfly to fight. Julia and Junior are trapped across a ravine. Big Jim is closing in, and Melanie is alive? Only Wayne and Troy at the Under the Dome radio podcast can help you figure out What in the hell is going on here? Tune in this summer to Under the Dome Radio.